Well, I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 National Strip Tillage Conference podcast series. In today's program, I have an opportunity to chat with Amos Smith uh, on behalf of Environmental Tillage Systems about his journey into strip till and some of the lessons he's learned at this point. So with that, uh, I'd like to welcome in Amos, and uh, I guess just starting off here, uh, have you share a little bit about your background, a little bit about your operation and where you're located. Sure. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me. We are a dairy farm actually located in western New York. Um, Many people don't know it, but New York's a huge agricultural state. We crop about 3,500 acres here, and we um, milk about 1,600, 1,700 cows, uh, mature cows. So our cropping rotation mostly consists of corn, alfalfa, and wheat all um, in one way, shape, or form going to feed our livestock. Our farm's been here since 1945. It's actually called Lawnell Farms. Lawnell, the name Lawnell comes from my grandfather, Lawrence, and my great-grandfather, Nelson. Um, They moved here from another part of New York State. This is a little more, a little better agricultural um, region out here in western New York than where they were. Um, started out as a vegetable farm and evolved into a dairy with, I think, what was one borrowed cow who was bred, and here we are today. So I'm actually fourth generation currently here with uh, my sister, my brother-in-law, my parents, and my grandfather, Lawrence, is actually still here with us, and it's just evolving. We like to think of ourselves as sustainable because we have a family here. And um, that's our real definition of sustainability as family. And that's, that's pretty much it. So we just love what we're doing. So, so Amos, yeah, I appreciate the, the introduction and the background there. Um, talk a little bit about uh, how you got into strip till. What were some of the initial motivations and objectives that uh, kind of got you into the practice? Yeah, so being, you know, we're, we're not exactly a crop farm. Like I said, we feed our livestock all of what we grow is either forage or grain in some way, shape, or form. We were 100% conventional tillage for as long as I can remember. I mean, in my 36 years, we've been conventional tillage. We used to mowboard plow everything. We, you know, moved from a mowboard plow to a chisel plow and then on to a disc ripper. And then we evolved. We started evolving and realizing that you know, our investment per acre, obviously the margins in agriculture get smaller and smaller, and we want it to be ahead of that. So we just realized that, you know, the word sustainable is, is important to us, and that's we've got to pay attention to every little aspect of it. And um, being stewards of the land, you realize that you have to start to adopt these practices like cover cropping and less tillage. Um, we'd love to go to a no-till situation, but it just doesn't really fit us. So we evolved out of full conventional tillage into minimum tillage and then started to see a little bit of a yield drag and decided that we might try strip till. Over the last two years, it's been pretty promising. We may want to change a few things. I don't tell anybody that it's, you know, it's a bulletproof answer, Um it definitely doesn't fit every operation. I think it's a growing, it's an evolving practice that you have to 
kind of conform yourself to. Um, but I think in the end, I think we're going to be really happy with the success that we can make out of the Strip Hill program. So we, we cover crop very heavily. Um, we try to cover crop at least, I would say, probably 75 to 80% of our, our corn ground um, through winter and then deal with a green cover crop in the spring. And that's where we saw a need for strip till. We like to keep that cover crop going green. And then we wanted a strip tillage, a type of strip till that would allow us to go through that green cover crop. And that's why we chose the Soil Warrior and that it's been, it works really well, so. So Amos, I know one of the uh, the challenges and, and we've heard this certainly uh, at the National Strip Tillage Conference and, and from folks that I visited and talked to that that first year of strip till can be a, a tremendous learning experience. Being able to realize the the benefits kind of put them in context as far as the fact that, you know, it is a, a process and it's not necessarily always an overnight success. Having been in, in the system now for a couple of years, you know, what are some of those early lessons that you learned um, kind of getting in and, and, you know, whether it was on the benefit side or, or even just some challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, so the biggest challenge I think for us was utilizing the technology side of it to a different extent. So we adopted GPS systems years ago. I mean, we've been running GPS systems on pretty much everything. We updated everything to RTK last year because we knew we wanted to, you know, we wanted to get into that precision piece of it that we were going to plant seeds within within that strip. So we invested in RTK and it's I mean, like every operation, communication is probably the most difficult piece that we deal with. And it's usually my dad and I, um, we pretty much cover just about every acre that we've got. We have a couple hired guys, but um, most of the corn goes in with my dad and I. So I usually do most of the tillage and then my dad does all the planting. And we spent quite a lot of time setting everything up and making sure that we only had one AB line for each field and that we were, you know, ready to go. And we got about halfway through the first year and I asked him, I was like, so how do you like it? And I was really surprised that he liked it. I mean, he was, he was on board. Um, I think we simplified a lot of things by just going through a planning process and knowing what road we were going down getting into it and then at the end of the year you know we we harvested and we didn't really see a yield increase um it was i would say we were average to where we normally are with the first year strip till and i asked him you know how did you like it and what do you think and he said well you know after watching some of our neighbors go through the growing pains and um seeing systems like it he said, I think we got to give this a shot for three to five years and see what it's going to do for us because uh, it's it's a long-term process. And I was really pleased to, to hear that from him because it's not always like that. It's not always a simple answer. And <laughs> it's hard to teach old dogs new tricks sometimes. And it was, it was comforting to hear that. So it's, it's yeah. going to be a learning experience, but we're working on it. 
It's always good to get, uh, yeah, some of that reinforcement of the, the decision that you made and, and that you're heading in the right direction. So, yeah, any of those yeah. those indicators, uh, if it's, you know, positive feedback or, or just kind of an affirmation on the farm there that uh, you, you got to buy in. So that, that's got to be, uh, yeah, that's got to be yeah. encouraging. <laughs> So thinking about, you know, what, what you kind of saw, and, and I appreciate you talking about just some of those, those early uh, learning experiences, but, you know, what are some of the positives that you've been able to take away from your system so far? So we're able, I think we handle up front, we handle cover crops a little better than we had before in the past because the Soil Warrior runs that triple coulter system it really handles the cover crop nicely and incorporates it into the strip um, which can be a challenge in in a lot of instances whether it's conventional tillage you know full conventional tillage min till no till you know it, it just creates another another level of of challenge so that the system works well in that aspect and it allows us to con to continue our cover cropping strategy. Also, I think we see, and you take this with a grain of salt, but I think we're building healthier soils because we're not tilling that much. I mean, we're only basically tilling 33% of our footprint. So we're reducing our carbon footprint. We're covering more acres more efficiently. We burn a lot less fuel than we have in the past. We use a lot less man hours to get our crop in. And on the back end, we see better conditions at harvest. So that's one big thing for us because we're chatting. I mean, we've got multiple pieces of equipment in the field, one of them being trucks. Usually we, we're a lot more efficient harvesting if we can get our silage trucks in the field. And strip tilling really opens that window because you're not ripping all the ground up underneath you and it stays a lot more stable in the fall for a better harvest window, I would say. I think that's probably the biggest thing that we've seen. So uh, one of the, uh, the other aspects is, uh, you know, just thinking about, you know, kind of your location. And I know talking with other folks kind of in the, in the Northeast in particular and, and New York State, I mean, it does sound like there is emerging interest and opportunity there with strip till. And uh, I guess maybe you can speak to a little bit about, um, you know, what you're seeing locally and, and how uh, the practice is kind of fitting in. And obviously, you know, it, it's, it's diverse. It's different up there. Um, like you said, it's, it's not like what we're seeing here traditionally in the Midwest and, and how that strip till system might fit into an overall operation. Yeah. So, I would start by saying one of the re that's one of the reasons why we chose the brand that we did, Soil Warrior by ETS. We, I know a lot of guys say they have rocks, but we live in an area that's it's glacial till. I mean, it's we have some pretty heavy outcrop rock outcrops. It's we have one actually we have a beautiful rock out in front of our farm here that's. I think it's probably eight feet in diameter, and we have our name carved in it. It's a beautiful piece, but <laughs> that's a, that kind of shows you where we are. Um, that's one of the challenges. Um, we've got terrain, which can you know be more a little more conducive to erosion. So strip till definitely allows us to control erosion a little better, along with cover crops. But the rocks. 
need to stay where they are. And that's the main reason why we chose the soil warrior because it's a coulter system and it does have the ability to ride over those rocks and leave them where they are. Everybody here owns a rock picker and that's the last thing we want to be doing is picking rocks, but um, it's a it's a bare necessity here, a challenge, but hopefully we can overcome some of that with a piece of equipment that we bought. The Northeast has a lot of microclimates too, I would say, and it can make for challenging windows getting crops in. Everybody faces weather challenges, you know, whether you're in the Northern Plains or, you know, Western Kansas or anywhere. I mean, everybody's got faces weather, but here it it can be within a matter of, you know, less than a square mile. We can see a microclimate kind of pop up. It can definitely bring its own challenges as far as, you know, ample amounts of moisture or, you know, any any other challenges weather would bring. Um, and the public, too, I would say. We're in an area that's pretty rural, but we also are in the public's eye. And there's a certain perception that agriculture as a whole, you know, we're we're trying to conform to public perception more so than we have in the past. And I think it's a testament to us to be able to, as as agriculturalists, to be able to, to pride ourselves in being stewards of the land and taking, you know, taking the necessary steps to prove to outsiders that we are invested and, you know, we're trying to do the right thing. Um, and, and the people around us see that they, they recognize that. And it, it's, it's nice. Um, it's nice to hear neighbors saying, you know, I'm, I'm really glad to see that you guys are taking measures to save your soils and, you know, save the environment around you. And, you know, it's a good, it's a good feeling. So those are a few reasons, I guess. Absolutely. So, Amos, you talked a, a little bit about your cover cropping operation. I was wondering if you could maybe just elaborate a little bit more on the on the scope of what you've you've got going on there in terms of uh, you know what you're seeding, uh, how you're seeding it, when you're seeding it. Yeah. So our first cover crop is going in right now, actually, late August, which is not approved by our crop association or it's not really a good recommendation <laughs> they, they'd like to wait for us to wait until september um, but we're drilling triticale right now mixed with clover that will go as forage for cattle so that'll actually be we'll take it right at boot likely mid-may but last couple years it's been a little later um, we'll take that at boot so it's pretty much all triticale the first cutting and it makes excellent feed excellent forage for milk cows I take that at boot and then we'll either follow that with corn or we'll let the clover come back up through and harvest that as more of a heifer feed um, and let that go throughout the year and then rotate that into corn usually corn the following year and then that's typically on wheat acres that came out, you know, about a month ago. So wheat came off about a month ago. We'll follow it with that. Um, whatever we don't seed down to alfalfa, we'll go into that cover crop. The other main cover crop is um, is also triticale that we'll put in after corn silage starts to come off. So we'll do either triticale and rye or triticale and clover, 
something in there just to get something established and then we can get manure on it in the fall and also in the spring and we could potentially harvest that also for forage if we feel like we need it um, but sometimes that gets delayed a little too far in the spring um, so we like to either we don't terminate it so to speak we will we'll strip till into it and then let the corn come up and then get rid of it but yeah typically it's it's mostly triticale, wheat, rye. It's some type of cereal grain, and we usually try to get a legume in there too. We've done some brassicas. Um, we'll we'll try just about anything to to get something established on bare ground and keep it going throughout the winter. Well, last question I had for you, Amos, was uh, you know obviously a couple of years in here, um, and and what you guys have learned thus far within your strip till system. What are what are some of the next steps? Are there a couple of things that you're looking to change or update, or, or want to try to accomplish or integrate into your system uh, in the years ahead? Yeah, I think we need to pay more attention to fertilizer use efficiencies. There's there's a lot. I mean. We're looking down the road. I, I guess I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to elaborate on that, but it's a pretty wide scope. I mean, we got a lot of ideas. So we've invested pretty heavily in technology. Like I said before, we have bought into granular. So we're trying to track our cost per acre very carefully, and we we like to do that with machine data. You know that I guess that's the biggest thing is just trying to be more efficient with less and i think that's the direction we've all got to head into because it's just becoming more and more competitive and more and more um you know it's it's a it's a difficult time uh we're faced with challenges like covid you know we're we got the guys out in iowa in our thoughts and prayers with the recent events that they've been faced with um, but you know, every little thing that we've, that we do has got to be paid attention to, um, the days of loosey goosey farming is, I think it's pretty well gone. We're as efficient as we possibly can be. Um, and we try to make every dollar that we invest in every acre count. A big thing for us is manure. Like I said, we try to, we need to pay more attention to nutrient uptake and, nutrient efficiency in crops. And whether it's applying more or less manure, I think we've got to get a little better handle on that. We follow our CAFO plan very carefully, but sometimes I think we're not putting enough nutrients out there for the crop. And maybe sometimes it's too many, I'm not sure, but we, you know, I think we can do a better job at paying attention to those types of things. Yeah, I think overall it's, it mainly it's leaving something for the next generation too. I think we got to be, like I said, good stewards and and do the best we can with what we've got. It's a good closing comment there, Amos, and, and I appreciate you being with us here today. Um, would also like to thank uh, Environmental Tillage Systems for their support of the 2020 National Strip Tillage Conference, along with each of the 13 title sponsors that made the seventh annual event a success. So just a reminder, you can look for more coverage of the National Strip Tillage Conference at striptillconference.com and striptillfarmer.com. And I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 National Strip Tillage Conference podcast series. For Amos Smith, Environmental Tillage Systems, and our entire staff here who helped coordinate the National Strip Tillage Conference, I'm Jack Zemlicka. 
Thanks for listening. 